MotoGP 2021 is getting closer. Toby Moody and Simon Patterson here to talk about the hopeful start to a MotoGP season just over a month away. Let's look at it as short a timescale as that, shall we, as we record this in the middle of February. Why are we recording it now? Well, over the past week, we've had team launches in MotoGP from Ducati, KTM and Yamaha. Simon, a blur of colour has been coming over our screens over those past seven days. Shall we start with Ducati first? Uh, the all-new lineup with Miller and Banyaya. Brilliant to see more red on the bike. I think let's start there with the visuals. <laughs> Absolutely. The first thing I, I saw, the first thing I thought when the, the covers come off the bike and we saw it for the new one was, oh, it looks like a, a foggy era world superbike. It's a proper red Ducati. They've got rid of all the white. They've got rid of the black of last year, the bits of silver that have floated in over the last few seasons. And it's just a red Ducati the way it should be. Uh, it looks fantastic. Obviously, they... What might be of a little bit of concern to Ducati is that the reason that it is entirely red this year is that it finally, finally, finally seems like they've lost Marlborough as their title sponsor, despite the title sponsor not being titled on the bike, as it were, for the last five or six years. Um, there's been a bit of a change around behind the scenes. They're now headline sponsored by Lenovo, the Chinese software uh, computer hardware company. But yeah, it looks good. The riders are fast and it's going to be interesting to see how that particular project plays out. Yeah, the Mission Winnow thing is under the radar anyway. It's They're not bothered about stickers on the bike. They have an association with their VIP guests that come to the track, come to to other events behind the scenes, uh, incentive trips and whatever. It's the blogger thing. It's the Instagram thing. They'll be ticking along under the radar as long as it's red they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> but no, as you say, uh, a new title sponsor in the shape of Lenovo. I think it looks fantastic. Uh, I know, and this is an ironic thing, I know that some people don't like the whole, the wings, the, the boxy wings on the Ducati, the little kickers down in front of the radiators. I think they look fantastic on motorcycles, and I think they look ridiculous on Formula One cars. So I'm completely, <laughs> completely the wrong. You know, you're the opposite uh, of all the same people in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think on the bikes they look they're just enough. I wouldn't want the tech regulations to enable too many wings all over too many motorcycles. I think you're allowed them at the front, you're allowed them there, and that's it. I think those wing spats they've got on the bottom half of the wheel for the Ducati are oh, just, oh, it looks brilliant. <laughs> for me, it looks the busy. Having said that, the back of the Ducati is all a bit wonky. It's as if oh, they ran out of budget and they just let the tail section, oh, let, the, let the somebody else do that. Just get as many things shoved in there as they can where it can't be seen as possible. I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I like how I like how functional they look. They're supposed to look a bit mental and a bit insane and have bits hanging off. And the race bike's designed to do 250 miles an hour. What I will say, though, is that if Ducati do not release a Panigale replica of that color scheme on a bike that is very, very, very beautiful, then they're missing a trick. Yes. And, you know, I don't know the numbers of those Panigales at the moment, but I'm sure that they're flying out of the door. They always have. They always have managed to sell big numbers, whether or not you go back to a triple eight till today. 
people want to stick them on the wall. Uh, uh, pop stars just want to put them on a wall in LA. Uh, that'll do. You know, Bentley on the drive, Ferrari on the drive, Ducati on the wall. It's just the business. Look at what they did with the Desmo Sedici. They were going to build, was it 600? And they built 1,500, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were big money. So now that's good. That's good. Um, coming with an all new lineup in the big team, though, with Miller and Banyaya. A team that only had two victories in 2020, one for Petrucci, one for Davizioso. That seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? But they really are, together with a lot of other people, going with the youth. But are they really youth or is it just we're getting older? Uh, yeah, it's it's it, you think of them as youthful, and then you realize that Miller's going into what is seventh year in MotoGP, and you realize, oh yeah, he's really not that. He's young, but that doesn't mean he's inexperienced. Um, but he skipped Jack, two, of course, saved himself exactly, a couple of years. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Jack has a really good chance this year. Actually, it's been interesting listening to the other team launches, and a few of the guys have actually started tipping him as the guy to beat in the championship which is pretty impressive for a guy that has won one race in wet conditions and never won on a Ducati. But it, it kind of felt last year for me like um, Jack has finally got all the pieces together. He just hasn't put them all together at the right time. He's found the speed. He's found how to be fast in the second half of races. He's found how to be consistent. He's realized how to stop crashing his brains out. He can qualify well. He can ride in all conditions. He just, he's never managed to quite line all those pieces up to complete the jigsaw. Um, but I, I think he's improving year on year. He's got another year of experience with Pramac. He's riding a bike that he developed because let's be honest, we know who did Ducati work. Once they realized the other two were out, they just moved the engineering team into the Pramac box and listened to everything Miller had to say for the second half of the year. And he's got all those extra resources that come from being a factory rider. He's not the sort of pers person that's going to suffer on Julie with factory pressure. And no. uh, yeah, I think they've bet well there. I couldn't agree more. Whether or not he's a championship contender, don't know. Let's have another 2020 and have a wacky topsy-turvy championship. Goodness me, if we have two on the trot, <laughs> beyond wow. Uh, Banyaya, you know, in the Anglo-Saxon world, he is absolutely under the radar. In the GP world, we know his background, but the number two, de facto, yeah, there's there's a very obvious number one or number two in the Ducati box this year. It's not a Suzuki or a Yamaha or anything like that. But I I think he's in the position that he that Jack found himself in maybe two years ago. He's got some of the puzzle pieces. They're just not all there yet. It's going to take a little bit of time. Is he a factory rider a little bit earlier than anticipated by anybody, including him? Yeah, probably because of things that happened with Davizioso or maybe even earlier things that happened with Lorenzo and et cetera, et cetera. But that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He needs to be careful and Ducati need to be careful that the, the sometimes punishing machine that is the factory Ducati team don't chew him up and spit him out the way they've done with other riders. But it seems like there's been a bit of a shift in mentality this year that they've kind of realized they need to treat people a little differently. And, you know, we, we've seen already they took all six Ducati MotoGP riders and Tito Rabat 
to Harath for two days, took them a load of V4S superbikes, said, boys, just go play, have fun, get to know each other, learn to work together, et cetera, et cetera. Seems like there's a bit of a, a mentality shift going on there. And Bagnaya more than Miller will be the person that benefits from that. They've done 18 seasons in MotoGP and they've only won one world championship. So it's got to change. I know that we bring this up every third, fourth podcast, but their last and only championship in the big class, unbelievably, was 2007. You know, that's now a long time ago. It's not just it's not not just four or five years ago. It's, you know, and and arguably we know why they won because of the bloke sat on it um they've mm-hmm. got to get rid of the mess inside the garage with the chitter chatter the the politics and whatever uh miller will be um immune to it don't learn too much italian a little bit like a little bit like <laughs> some who've drifted through there just learn the courtesies and leave the rest for the rest of them yeah um is his manager still akiyo yes it is who's busy doing something else for the rest of the day so he won't necessarily yeah. be there and around and whatever but even so uh he 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 might be uh he might have the water running off his back because he's not too involved and he won't be able to read the newspapers and the websites and whatever so that's that's an advantage to me and even if he can he really doesn't care he doesn't give a monkey's no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest let's let's remember that they might only have one other one one other championship but what nationality was the guy that did that exactly there's a bit of a similarity there in terms of of more than just passport color there there is yes it's not just passport color it's attitude and give us stuff so no good luck to him good luck to him and good luck to them all because you know we've all got a little bit of a soft spot for them somewhere along the way and <laughs> uh, yeah they've been close with Davizioso they've knocked on the door great victory at Mugello not last year year before by Petrucci I just thought that was fantastic so let's see let's see how it all uh, how it all shapes out for the Bologna bullet uh, next up we had uh, a big team launch, uh, two teams uh, from KTM, uh, KTM Works team, Red Bull, with Brad Binder in for the second year, and then Oliveira stepping up. And Tech 3, all at the same time, absolutely cementing the fact that it is the same factory motorcycle once you take the the paint off the outside of them. Uh, Petrucci and Lecuona going with Tech 3. And between the two KTM squads in 2020, three victories, two for Oliveira, one for Brad Binder. Uh, and of course, Petrucci comes having won a Grand Prix last year as well at Le Mans. It looks the business. I probably shouldn't have a vote, but I think it looks the business. But what I can vote now is that Tech 3 bike. Uh, you were right all along. I had a suspicion it was going to be a Husqvarna. But you said it's going to be all all orange KTM, and it is absolutely almost Dynarod orange, isn't it? You can see the <laughs> effervescence coming through your computer screen. Your commentator's dream. You can see who it is. It is one of the most beautiful motorbikes I have ever seen on a MotoGP grid. It looks, I just, I love it. It just looks so good. And it manages to sit next to the the factory Red Bull KTM, which is a beautifully designed motorbike. It is an absolute classic of design already, despite only being there a few years ago. The way that the matte colors on it, it just looks superb. 
But next to it, it just looks flat next to this amazing bright orange day glow thing that, like you say, is a commentator's dream. And just, it's different. It's really nice to see something really different on the grid. Because, you know, we, we've had three factory bikes unveiled so far. And essentially, there are very slight modifications or complete identical versions of last year's. And then you've just got this thing that's, you know, that's going to light up the grid. It's awesome. It's great. Uh, Gerald Kiska, Gerald Kiska, he's responsible for the styling of the KTM uh, motorcycle production motorcycles. The sort of angular nature has hauled down to his pen. He's got his, uh, his, his studio not far out of Salzburg, the other side of Salzburg. But he came up with the orange idea. Okay, you know, Honda are this kind of color, Ducati are red, Yamaha are blue, Suzuki are lighter blue with a bit of silver. You know, there's all these boxes that are, right, let's go for orange. It was him who came yeah. up with it. And the whole brand building exercise that I was involved in there was, you know, orange, yes, and getting that message home and they're going a step up have they lost red bull with the organic sponsorship that were on the tech three motorcycles last year i i don't know this i genuinely don't know but i rather suspect that the money has gone elsewhere and it will be moved yeah they it, won't it, have lost it yeah from from what i understand tech three haven't even lost it because there's still a possibility that their moto three team will run the organics colors so it's just internal redistribution. Correct, correct. But what they are doing with the bright orange is utterly brand building because what they need to do is then make a superbike available for people to buy because you can, as we've already discussed, buy a Panigale, you can get a Jixa, you can get a Honda, you can get a Blade, you can get R1. They, they're looking to do something in the future, I suspect. There are rumors very well timed rumors from credible sources in austria that uh they're not going to go full superbike they're not going to go full moto gp replica but they're going to use that new 890 cc twin engine for a kind of a super sport-esque lightweight superbike which as far as i'm concerned is actually the way forward at the minute that's all you need in the road you know Better to sell 10,000 of them than a 1,000 MotoGP replicas that cost 250,000 euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll still send, still sell the replicas, but they need the through-flow yeah. and they need a production line. They've got staff there. They've got facilities there to make these things. So use the the facilities to, to churn them out. And they might even be eligible for the new modified World Supersport rules coming in for 2023. Yeah. And there'll be different EU regulations on emissions and all sorts. Yeah, so, yeah, it, either it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, different kind of launch that we had with KTM, with recorded as if it was a Zoom call between Austria and Pitt and the riders and her and Herve and and the riders. It was glued together, and then they got on with it quite quickly. I think those journalists we we we, we haven't got much patience. Okay, right, there's the chit chat. Where's the bike? <laughs> yeah, and we saw other manufacturers take note. Other manu manufacturers take note. Yeah, just get on with it. So um, no, that was uh, that was an interesting one. Um, you know, going into what we think each rider is going to do. Well, that's really a season preview kind of thing, really, isn't it? But the initial the initial take on where KTM go from here. They're on the upward scale. They've had their fourth season in MotoGP. They've won those three Grand Prix, as I mentioned last year. Well, will four Grand Prix with victories be the minimum they can do in, in 2021? Somebody somewhere in Austria will be saying that is certainly the case. But the hill is getting steeper. 
Yes, but they, they're in a good position. They've got Oliveira, who can absolutely win races, can maybe even challenge for the title again if we get a, another mental year. They've got Brad Binder, who will be regular podium finisher and probably a race winner again based on his speed. They've got Patrici, who, let's be honest, will do a lot of the year riding a bike slightly different from everyone else as he tests new parts because that's why they hired a 30-year-old to be the teammate to two 22- or 23-year-olds. But one day out of every 10, it'll pour down with rain and Patrici will stick it in the podium or win something. And then they've got Iker Lacona, who's just this, like, innocent 19-year-old kid who still doesn't really know how fast he is, but is a really solid bet for the future. So they've they've got a good broad line up there this year. They've got a bit of everything. They've got good mix of experience and youth. They've got some super, super fast guys. And I'd be surprised if they're not multiple race winners again this time next year. The other thing that isn't going to change is a tech freeze going into 2021. So the pandemic of 2020 hangs over into 21. They've put a tech freeze on to save people money, save manufacturers money, stop a slightly ridiculous space race. Do we really need to go to somewhere where we don't really need to go to for the sake of tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars over the six different manufacturers? The good thing is, hopefully, that some of those slash exhausts will remain on some bikes, like the Ducati, like the KTM, uh, like the Yamaha. I think they look absolutely fantastic. But deep down, being serious, uh, we are looking to have a 19-race world championship that is looking to start in Qatar, taking us all the way through to Valencia in the middle of November. Will all of those Grand Prix happen? Don't know. Simon's not shaking his head. He's not nodding in agreement either. Yeah. Uh, there are some postponed Grand Prix in the shape of Argentina. Well, since we last spoke, that Grand Prix isn't going to happen because their entire pit buildings caught fire and burnt down. Uh, Grand Prix of Americas, I don't know where they're at with money. And there is a reserve Grand Prix of Indonesia, but they haven't yet built the track. <laughs> it's not completed. So there's a lot to uh, to talk about there. Will all 19 Grand Prix happen? Don't know. But they've, the way to the simple point of this is to keep costs down and to keep that tech freeze on. So essentially, the engines from Qatar last year will take us through to the end of 2021. Yeah. Uh, the engines and the aerodynamics. Uh, fairly straightforward procedure to do it. Um, makes sense, really. It was, uh, from what I understand, a fairly unanimous decision when it went to the uh, Motorsports Manufacturers Association. They sort of ticked the box and, and agreed to it right away. No one is complaining about it, even the teams that you'd think wouldn't necessarily be too happy about it. Uh, we spoke this morning to Lynn Jarvis, the Yamaha team boss, and he said, you know, the, in some ways it's a negative, but in other ways it's an opportunity because it means that all the stuff that they don't normally get the chance to really, really dial down and refine with an engine in terms of electronics, they will have all of next year, this year to do. So in some ways it'll aid them, you know, yeah, no one's upset about it. Um, and it will save a ton of money, which is actually in the grand scheme of things, not as important now as we thought it would have been nine months ago because you know we've seen motorcycle sales have done actually quite well through the pandemic a lot of people are discovering motorbiking for the first time as a way to commute without getting on in the 
metal tube stuffed full of 200 other people all coughing over each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's, it was the right decision to take at the time. It was a decision that needed to be taken early. Uh, it'll save the sport some money and it will aid a few teams this year. It'll also probably mean we start next year with uh, just a huge step forward because let's be honest, they might not be building prototypes and testing prototypes and giving prototypes to riders, but I bet you they're still developing them. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Nobody deliberately wants less money. Uh, they'll still take the money from the board. They'll just use it somewhere else in the motorsports department. Um, yeah, ne- never save t- never save money because you never get thanked for it later either. <laughs> <laughs> and once the budget goes down, it's hard to put it. It's up hard again. to put it back up again. Exactly, exactly. Um, another th- reason why somebody with all the money in the world, in the shape of HRC, will be happy for this to go through is that they will know that certainly one, one and a half teams at the lower end of the scale in MotoGP, manufacturers, should I say, aren't flush with money, and this will absolutely keep them in for the next two years, three, they won't have to bomb out. Uh, Honda yeah. always see the bigger picture in 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 keeping everybody together. Maybe they've leaked a picture deliberately of a swing arm so that somebody else continue who's continually going down a dead end with ah that's what they're doing honda sometimes let journalists have a nugget that they know will go worldwide within a day or two on the internet and a manufacturer will see and go oh that's what they do oh we're going wrong okay right now because actually we all need to float at the top end and not be under the water at any given time. It, it all helps. And so Honda will will not be saying boo to that. From from a purely self-interest point of view as well, they don't they're happy supplying uh two satellite riders with bikes. They don't want to have to supply four or supply six like Ducati do or like they used to have to do in the past. Saves them money, don't have to supply one team. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. So from Ducati and KTM, uh, the European-based uh, manufacturers, we go to Yamaha, who had their launch only this morning on the 15th of February. Yamaha with Vinales now for the fifth year and new in with Quattararo, who comes over from Patronus. Seven victories over the two teams in 2020. I still can't get my head around it. They won 50% of the Grand Prix throughout last year. So the speed is there with, with Yamaha. They didn't win the championship ultimately because too many other people won races, but let's not get, get into that now. Uh, one thing I saw this morning, uh, Vinales amusingly putting the marker down. Uh, sorry, uh, Quattararo amusingly putting the marker down. Me and Vinales, like Lorenzo and Rossi, fighting for the title. I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> He's having fun with Vinales already, except with a smiley face, because I'm really joking about it. Knife in back. <laughs> The problem that both of them might find is that uh, it'll be Franco Morbidelli that's the top Yamaha again whenever the lights go out like he was last year. That might upset the plans a little bit. I can't get my head around that bike still being competitive in 2021. <laughs> but I, I can. I, I think I've understood where Yamaha's problems lie. I think that's from a lot of talking to people and a lot of reading between the lines and interviews and conversations and whatever. And 
And they've just got a team where the engineers and the race team don't speak to each other enough. And what it has meant is that you've got a group of people developing a bike that the other group of people don't really want and can't really use. What Yamaha, what Petronas Yamaha, what Franco Morbidelli has got is a bike that he was told, here you go, enjoy your bike, we'll be back to collect it at the last round. The engineers have never come near him. Ramon Fercada has more Yamaha knowledge inside his head than most of the engineering department put together. And they've just got on with the job of making the bike that they've got work instead of trying to build a bike halfway through the season that might work. Yamaha either need to identify what has made Morbidelli so fast and apply that to the factory team, or they need to understand that Morbidelli is going to be the top bike again. Works Yamaha continuing with their Monster Energy sponsorship, uh, predominantly a black motorcycle, then with the, um, the blue of Yamaha on top on the tank and on the top of the fairing. What's your take on that livery? I can never decide if I like it or not. Um, most 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 fairing designs look better when the bike's in motion, but it's one of the few ones that looks better stopped. I always think um, it, it's so it's designed by Aldo Drudy, who is you know just a genius with a paintbrush. But I think it's maybe a little bit too compromised by having too much going on at once. Um, he's done the best he can trying to cram a lot onto one bike. Um, I kind of wish Yamaha would just give up, acknowledge that we all know it's a Yamaha regardless of what color it is and take the blue out of the picture because a black bike with the monster logos would look fantastic and and having the blue kind of compromises it for me. Toby's shaking his head. He doesn't agree at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's too much black in it. I, I think, I think, you know, the trouble is, you know, monster have black as their base color it's the green m out of black I, I get that so you know he will have gone through a thousand different iterations you know do they have it green do they have it white then you won't be able to see the green coming out of white the the green of the m on the blue of yamaha that doesn't work either it's not great to start with black that's just my thing i think i think it needs to be a bit lighter the irony is that there's a black and blue bike with monster branding designed by Aldo Drudy on the MotoGP grid because he designed the Team Sky bikes and they make it work there. They do. They do. Yes, yes. Same colours, same sponsors and it works. Same designer. Yeah, that Sky lettering, the three letters, it's got a bit of oomph about it though. I, yeah. I see what you mean, but... Yeah, it's not for me. It's not for me. I think I think they need to be bright and racing and red bikes go faster or you know, <laughs> there go. It's, it's not for me. It's not for me. Thank goodness we're all different. That's the main thing. I will say one thing about the Yamaha presentation today. It is one of these trippiest days of my life <laughs> watching that presentation. I really don't understand why they needed to have them appearing on a green screen set of pit lane in the garage that looked like it was designed in a PlayStation 2. A very odd experience, but there you go. Who are we to judge the uh, yeah. creative designs at Yamaha? Commodore 64. But we're talking about it. So, you know, this is true. It's not just true. another launch on another <laughs> stage with another person and smiley whatever uh, I, I always I, remember someone asked me why Ducati had put mission window sponsorship on the bike in the first place whenever they knew that the eu regulators were going to make them take it off again 
And it's fairly obvious. It's because we all wrote about it to say, look, there's a cigarette brand back in a motorbike. And then a month later, we all wrote to say, look, the cigarette brand's been taken off the motorbike. <laughs> Marketers are clever people. Yeah. If uh, And he did it. When Casey won in Qatar, the last year that they had Marlborough branding, full Marlborough, he won in Qatar, he won the race, he's on the podium, they've got their pictures, that's all they need for the rest of the year. That's all they needed for the rest of the year. Qatar is one of the very, very few places in the world where when you walk through airport duty-free, there are pictures of a Ducati MotoGP bike on the packets of tobacco. Yeah. Because it's still legal there. Yeah. It's all it's all relative. So no, it was uh, it was a bit trippy. I um, I wouldn't <laughs> say it was PlayStation Two. I was gonna lean towards Commodore sixty four, <laughs> but I didn't know they had that much RAM. Um, but do you know what? It was different, and it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. And at the end of the day, it, they've got to try and you know make something out of nothing at the moment. It's not easy. They've had to get the riders there. They had to go through tests and da da da. So, no, it was um, it was all good. Um, other news in MotoGP since we last spoke: Poor Fausto Grassini. He's not doing very well. He's in hospital, and uh, he's had COVID. And the reports every half a week or so, Simon. He's good. He's a little bit better today. Oh, going backwards, struggling. He's been in intensive care for quite some time. So worrying times in Italy. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Perfaust has been in hospital now for seven weeks, I think. He's been in and out of intensive care. He's been on and off sedation. He's been on and off a ventilator. Uh, it seems, you know, it's so tough. It seems like just as he's getting better, things took a turn for the worse again. Um, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it really puts into context how this is not just the flu. Um, it shows how serious it can be whenever you've got someone as fit and healthy as Fausto who's struggling so much. Um, hopefully, hopefully he makes a full recovery. Hopefully he's on his feet soon. And from a racing point of view, because I'm sure he's thinking about it too, hopefully it doesn't affect the team's preparations for the season too much. Juan Mir, reigning MotoGP world champion. He is not going to take the number one plate. He's going to stick with his number 36. Bit of chit-chat either way on, oh, we should have done this, we should have done that. Well, it hasn't done any harm to Valentino Rossi over the years. So he's not going to take the number one. I thought Suzuki rather over-egged the pudding leading us up to it. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest problem of the whole thing. Um, I think someone got a little bit carried away with, let's make an announcement before he decided what he was going to do. And then it kind of snowballed from there. And what we ended up with was a bit of a damp squib and a bit of a boring announcement of, I'm just going to stick with the number I have. Well, they don't have to repaint the trucks and they don't have to make other garage boards. So it's cheaper. So do as you told, Juan. You're staying with number 36. That's probably the conversation that happened. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Ask ask, ask any race team in the world if they want to have a number one in the front of their bike or not. I, See yeah, what they yeah. tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Mark Marquez, uh, HRC, that feud goes on between uh, between Honda and KTM. Uh, KTM launched at <laughs> 10 o'clock on Friday morning last, and at bang on 10 o'clock at the same time, there was a press release came out on our email from HRC saying, oh, Mark Marquez is doing this with his right arm and progress is being made and, oh, this and tother and whack. I texted you, didn't right I? Right away. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Right away. Straight on. <laughs> uh, I love that we've got that sort of rivalry. It's brilliant. You know, if, uh, stir 
it up, stir it up. Why not? But it was, uh, yeah, it just, um, it was really a press release that didn't say a lot. Didn't say anything. It no. got everyone writing about it whenever we should have been paying attention to the orange bikes. So uh, job well done by someone at Honda who saw an opportunity and took it. Um, and also we touched on it a moment ago about Argentina, the MotoGP track there, uh, complete length of the pit lane in all of their buildings, completely destroyed by fire. Uh, many of you will have already seen the pictures on social media and on the-race.com. It's gone. Yeah, that's a, that's a full rebuild. Uh, completely devastating. It has just, just gutted the entire pit complex. Um, pff, tough to know what to say about that, really. The only good things are that no one was hurt and that it's fully insured so it can be rebuilt. And I'm sure knowing the way that it was built in the first place, it won't be long until it's fully rebuilt, which is good news. But I can't see us going there to race this year, um, which, let's be honest, was always pretty much not going to happen anyway um, because there's just not the room in the calendar to have another two races at the end of the year with it in Texas. But it pro it you know it's it's the final death knell and that not happening this year. Texas won't happen either for sure now because MotoGP can't afford to freight everything to one race in America without having another race back to back with it. So, um, hopefully things can be rebuilt ASAP. Hopefully we can get back to Termas, which is just absolutely bonkers an amazing party you know it's a town of 300 people or 300 or 30,000 people where 300,000 people turn up to watch MotoGP race from all over South America it's nuts <laughs> so the sooner we get back to it the better but I don't know when that's going to be so at the moment March the 28th with the weekend after April the 4th being the opening Grand Prix of the year both in Qatar back to back weekends then we come to Europe we stay in Europe all the way through till the end of September and then we do the quadruple not the trio the quadruple series of races in Asia Japan Thailand Australia and Malaysia before we then come back and finish off, hopefully, for the Grand Prix number 19 in Valencia. That is how 2021 looks at the moment. And in theory, I think that's how 2021 should pan out as well. Uh, we know we can go racing in Europe. It might be without a crowd. It might be without people in the paddock the same way, but it can be done because we did it safely and successfully last year. So that will be fine. Um there are good noises coming out of Thailand about the possibility of being able to go and race there. Malaysia have already said they'll do everything they can to get us there. Japan, we will find out what happens only after they've had the Olympics or not had the Olympics in July either way, but we'll see what happens with it first. And even Australia, which has been, you know, probably one of the most restrictive countries on earth for the last year. There's some good noises coming out of there as well, because they've said they plan to have everyone vaccinated by October and if you're vaccinated and everyone in their country is vaccinated, there's no reason why you won't be able to come in by then. So in theory, we can we can get in and go race. And so, yeah, I think the, the for me, the, the ones that are still the most questionable are the first two races in Qatar because things are still very fluid there. And that's something we're paying very close attention to. But uh, once, you know, once put it this way, once everyone gets to Qatar in three weeks time for the first test, I would imagine we will have a complete MotoGP season. If, as long as everyone can get into Qatar for that test, 
the rest of the year will be good to go. That's good news. So we now await the Patronus Yamaha launch on the 24th of February. The Malaysians will certainly be very happy to see Valentino Rossi return into the turquoise colours because he did have some Patronus on his leathers in the past when he was part of the Works Yamaha squad before he went to Ducati. In the meantime, thanks for listening in. Do like and subscribe so you will get the latest chit-chat from us. Keep across the-race.com. Add the bookmark for all of your MotoGP, Formula One, esports, and FE news. Thank you, Simon Patterson, for everything. Pleasure as always. And in the meantime, from myself, Toby Moody, we will speak to you all again very soon. Goodbye for now. <laughs>